This morning, we continue in our series, The Seven Traits of a Living Healthy Church. And this week, once again, we're focusing on trait number two, which is the gospel. And so we're going to turn to the gospel of Mark in just a minute, and we're going to look at that. But before we do, uh, first I want to thank you for praying for us. And last week, I was in Myanmar with my wife, Maureen, and Pastor Christopher, and we spent about 10 days there with our ministry partner, Pastor No Poom. And what I'd like to do this morning is just give you a little bit of a taste of what our experience was like there and share some things with you, basically just because I want to. So uh, I'm going to show you some slides. So we have the first slide here, and uh, this is a picture of Pastor No Poom and his family. And they're standing outside his house. Um, Pastor No Poom is one of the most dedicated, energetic, and visionary servants of the gospel that I've ever had the privilege to meet. He's an amazing guy. He told us that two weeks before we arrived, he had received a letter from the government of Myanmar stating that home churches, Christian home churches, would no longer be allowed in the country of Myanmar. They were going to shut down all the home churches. So that's the heart and the passion of Pastor Nopum. Behind him, you see some stairs, kind of steep, narrow stairs. Those stairs go up to the top of his house where the house church meets. So the next slide is a picture of last Sunday morning. And this is above his house now. They've built on the top floor a house church. You can barely see, but I'm in the background there on the right, um, getting ready to preach the word in this home church. And now you just get a little bit of a taste of what's going on there. Pastor Christopher was in another location, uh, in another home that basically looks exactly like this one that they built. Um, Maybe it's 20 miles away, and um, Christopher was teaching in that church because what Pastor Nopum is doing is he's multiplying these home churches, and it's really amazing. And so, um, would you pray for them? You know, th- this is serious stuff over there. Really pray for them. They're making a tremendous impact for Christ in this very difficult country. We were there basically for two reasons. One was to do a training. So the next slide shows some of the students that were at the training. Uh, This is called the the Lay People Training School. And there's about 20, uh, you know, I call them kids there. They look like they're all 15, but they're, you know, they're like in their 20s. And uh, so they're workers, they're college age, and some are older. And they actually had come for a period of two months just to learn the word, just to, to, to go deeper in the gospel, to equip them to make a difference for Christ in their context. And uh, we came for the last week of this training. Um, their T-shirts say on them, I am saved to serve. <laughs> so Pastor Nopum, that guy could start a business making T-shirts because he has the greatest T-shirts. He says, I am saved to serve. And so uh, joining us in this training were some other people. And the next slide shows a picture of us standing with a guy named Mi Ray. Now, some of the graduates of the Lay People Training School came back for the last week. So we had 10 graduates who now are out actually engaging in ministry in different parts of the country. Mi Ray traveled on a bus 16 hours one way 
to be with us for the week. Mireille runs a drug and alcohol recovery ministry um, in the name of Christ in a remote part of Myanmar. And um, he, has, he has like no support. He, he just like does this. He said, God showed me to do this. And he went out to this remote place and, and he's planted himself and he's doing it. And, um, and then he got on a bus 16 hours to go back at the end of the week. So this is a picture of those 10 workers who were with us. Every one of them has gone through the lay people training school and now they're out serving Jesus and making an impact. And Nopum's dream is to take it to the next level, which he's called uh, T4T, Training for Trainers. And he actually wants to duplicate himself so that he can duplicate more workers. And this is our commitment is to help him to do that. And this was our initial foray into that. The second reason why we were there was to visit his boarding homes and to engage with the children. So the next slide will show you. These are 67 children from one of his boarding homes. Many of these children are at his boarding home because they have escaped from being abducted as child soldiers in the north of Myanmar. There's a civil war, and the parties are abducting children and forcing them to be child soldiers. So their parents pack them up and send them to Nopum. And about, I don't know, maybe half of them, um, they just showed up when the civil war started, and um, they're wearing T-shirts that say, I am safe in Jesus Christ. It's just amazing. Once again, no poom in his t-shirt making skills. I mean, I saw the t-shirt, I wanted to cry. I'm like, I can't believe this. It's amazing. 67 of these kids, and uh, we spent time with them, and we spent time in two of the boarding homes. So the next slide is going to show, um, this is another boarding home. This is four hours away, a rather treacherous drive. I'll tell you about it sometime. Um, we, we, didn't, we prayed like, Lord, this might be the end, but... Uh, this is in Myangmya, and um, this boarding home has about 62 kids in it. Um, you probably can't tell, but my wife Maureen is there giving an art lesson to these children. They had, this is the first time they'd ever done art. And uh, this is the same room where they sleep. Um, this is the wooden floor that, that you guys provided. We sent the money because it was unfinished, and so we put a floor in for them so the children had a place to sleep. And uh, it was an amazing experience to be there and to connect with these children. I'll just tell you a little story of what happened. Um, our last team that went there, uh, Kurt and Julie with Christopher, when they got out to Myangmya, they, they found that a bunch of children had come early. They had come back from their, like, their vacation early. And the reason they came back is because they didn't have enough food at home. And so they just showed up. Well, they weren't prepared for this, and Nopum was kind of freaking out because, like, we don't have the food to feed these kids. And he said, we're going to try to take $200 out of our church budget and to feed these kids. And um, that was when our team basically said, we don't need permission. We're going to say this. <laughs> they said, Nopum, like River West Church, we're going to take care of the food for these kids. I mean, it's like, it's not very much. We're going to, don't worry about that anymore. And he actually started to cry because that burden was gone from him. It's an amazing thing. And so um, my wife made quite a connection. I think the next slide 
Nasho, this is my wife with some of the kids. I mean, I don't know if you can feel the love in this photo, but it's really amazing. They gave her a traditional Karin dress to wear, and um, she just fell in love with them. They fell in love with her. And just because I want equal opportunity, I got a photo of me with the boys. So <laughs> I don't think there's quite as much love in this pic, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's it guys. So we're just there. That's at, at one of the boarding homes. And... Uh, so after the art lesson, we went uh, downstairs and Nopum asked the children to uh, recite for us from memory Psalm 23 and then to sing a worship song. And I have a little tiny clip of the kids worshiping and I want you to pay attention to the little guy in the yellow shirt in the front, okay, because it'll blow your mind. So let's, let's roll this if we can. I mean, like that got me. I'm telling you, I'm down there looking at these kids and I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus. This is amazing. It's amazing. Now, I want you to think about what you saw in all these photos and think for a minute about the blue t-shirts and the red t-shirts because this is no poom. He's like, he's always working things, right? He has his strategy, right? So he's got 62 kids from one boarding home at this ceremony. It was like the concluding ceremony for the lay people training and, and all those kids are in blue t-shirts that say, in Christ, I'm safe in, in Jesus Christ. But the red t-shirts, like you graduate from a blue t-shirt to a red t-shirt, right? Because all those kids, his goal for every one of those kids is that they would go to the lay people training. Uh, many of them are from Buddhist families. And many of those children will come to faith in Christ. And then they will actually go to the lay people training school and, and they will be equipped to make a difference for Christ in their country. And we're praying that some of those will go on to the T4T training, and they will become trainers of a whole other generation of Christian workers and leaders in Myanmar. So that's what you guys are involved in. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Nopum later in the message about his ministry. But right now, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark. And we're going to try to tie all this together this morning if we can do this. Some of you may know that the Gospel of Mark is known as the Gospel of Nonstop Action. The Gospel of Mark moves from scene to scene to scene, and each scene is a scene of Jesus and the Gospel in action. So if you look at Mark chapter 1, here's the way it starts in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's just short. It's concise. This is how it starts. This is the launching place of the gospel. And then in the next couple of paragraphs, you find scene, scene, scene. We find in chapter 1, verse 4, John comes baptizing. We find in chapter 1, verse 9, Jesus comes and he is baptized. 
We find in chapter 1, verse 12, that Jesus is driven into the wilderness, and there he is tempted. And then we come to chapter 1, verse 14, and it says this, and I have it on the screen. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, I just did that quick overview because I want to give you a sense of the feel of the gospel of Mark, is that you have, in, in just 15 verses, you have scene, 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 action, introduction, John the Baptist, Jesus is baptized, Jesus is tempted, Jesus comes preaching. This is the way the Gospel of Mark unfolds. The Gospel of Mark is not just about words, it's about action. The first eight chapters of Mark read like a catalog of beautiful and powerful encounters with Jesus Christ. And in these encounters, Jesus heals and helps hurting people. That is the way the gospel finds its start, the way the gospel begins in the gospel according to Mark. Now, at River West Church, this is what we call the third side of the gospel triangle. The third side of the gospel triangle is the kingdom mission of Jesus in our broken world. Now, although I call it the third side of the triangle, in the Gospel of Mark, it's actually the first thing that we see is the kingdom mission of Jesus. And there's a clear pattern that we find in the Gospel of Mark. And not just in the Gospel of Mark, but in every one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all follow the same pattern. And the pattern looks like this. Mark chapters 1 through 8 is the kingdom. Jesus begins to preach. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It's a kingdom message. Chapters 1 through 8, it's the kingdom mission of Jesus. And that mission is a series of beautiful and powerful encounters where Jesus heals and helps hurting people. But when you get to chapter 8, the middle of the chapter, the entire gospel of Mark changes. Halfway through chapter 8, Jesus begins to speak about the cross. He asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter confesses, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And from that moment forward, Jesus begins to say, I must go to Jerusalem. I must be crucified. And on the third day, I will be raised up again. And so it's, it's about halfway through the Gospel of Mark, all of a sudden you get a different theme. You, you move from kingdom, power, healing, hurting people, to Jesus, who will go to the cross, and as it says in Mark 10, 45, he will be the ransom for many. He will be the ransom for our sins. And then, of course, at the end of the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 16, what do you get? One chapter, what do you get? The resurrection of Jesus. It's Easter Sunday. Now, that pattern is the pattern that you will find in every one of the Gospels. 
all of them will begin with accounts of Christ in his kingdom mission working in this world. They will all lead to his discussion of how he must go to the cross and die and then a, a prolonged presentation of Jesus' suffering on the cross, being buried, and then every gospel ends the same way. They end with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. It's a pattern. And we call this pattern the gospel triangle at River West. I want you to just think for a minute about a triangle. Visualize it in your mind. You can close your eyes if you want and just see a triangle. And as you see that triangle, on one side of the triangle, I want you to just fill in the word cross. On the other side of the triangle, directly across, put the word resurrection. And then on the third side of the triangle, just write the word kingdom. That's what we call the gospel triangle at River West. Jesus is at the center of it. Cross, resurrection, kingdom. Last week, Pastor Adam gave a marvelous message on the gospel. And he told us that the gospel is like the nuclear core, the DNA of a living, healthy church. And he unpacked two sides of the gospel from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul says, this is the gospel that I received and I passed on to you. That Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that's the cross. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead and he was seen by many witnesses. That's the resurrection of Jesus. And he says, this is the gospel that I received and that I delivered. And in that message, in 1 Corinthians 15 and in, in Adam's message, what we are hearing are two sides of the gospel triangle. The cross side is the side that speaks of forgiveness. That we are forgiven, our sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's good news. The resurrection side of the cross is the side that speaks to us of hope, the hope of the resurrection, the victory of Jesus. But the third side of the gospel triangle is the kingdom side. And that side speaks to us of the kingdom mission of Jesus. And the kingdom mission of Christ reads like a catalog of beautiful and powerful encounters with Jesus as he heals and helps hurting people. The third side of the catalog is all about action. Let me give you some pictures of the third side of the triangle from Mark chapter 1. Go back to Mark chapter 1 if you're not there. And let me just fill in for you some, some of the things that happen in the Gospel of Mark. Because it's action, action, action. After Jesus begins to proclaim the kingdom, he goes and he calls disciples, fishermen. He says, come and follow me. He says, you're going to join me on this kingdom mission. Immediately they go into a synagogue and there they find a man who is demon-possessed and Jesus casts the demon out of him. People are amazed. Action, power help. And then they go from the synagogue to Peter's house 
and his mother-in-law is there, and she's sick with a fever. And so they go and they tell Jesus, hey, his mom is kind of sick with a fever. I think it's cool that they told Jesus. Like, why would they tell Jesus? Somehow they know. So we'll just tell Jesus. Because Jesus is on this mission, and you know, maybe it includes her. And so sweetly, the scripture tells us that Jesus went to her. He took her by the hand. He lifted her up. And the fever left her. It's almost like in that moment that the Bible just slows down and says, let's look at Jesus. You know, he cast a demon out, and I'm thinking, wow, spiritual warfare, that's intense. It's like this conflict of spiritual powers. It's the kingdom mission of Jesus. And then I see the next picture, and it's this gentle, sweet, personal encounter with Jesus where he heals this woman of a fever. And then after a time of prayer, it says that a leper came to Jesus. We can pick up the story in Mark chapter 1 and in verse 40. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And please note the words, moved with pity, moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Do you see what's happening in Mark? It's picture, 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 scene, scene, scene. It's Jesus on his kingdom mission. And we're supposed to take note because this is how the gospel gets its start in the gospel of Mark. I'm calling it the third side of the triangle. Why is it the third side? How can there be a third side to a triangle? A triangle needs three sides. Which comes first? I don't know. You need them all or you don't, it doesn't work, right? You can't separate them. This is how the gospel gets its start in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's with Jesus in action, healing and helping hurting people. Now, here's what we need to know. The kingdom mission of Christ begins with the good news that Jesus is king. So that's where it all starts. So behind this idea of Jesus' action and his kingdom mission is, is another idea, and that is that Jesus truly is the king who has come into this world to bring the healing presence and the saving presence of God. So if we go back to Mark chapter 1 and verse 1 and note carefully, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, as we read those words, we might not be that astounded, but in the ancient world, I think people were taken aback by these words because there's a tremendous claim being made in this first sentence of the Gospel of Mark. What we don't know, but what they knew, was that Caesar Augustus in the ancient Roman world was called the savior of the world. He was called the son of God. And the gospel, the good news, was a word which was often applied to Caesar Augustus. We have found dating to 9 BC an inscription found in modern day Turkey which proclaims the good news 
of Caesar Augustus, the savior of the world, the son of God. So think about that. This is what people heard all the time. Let me tell you who the savior is. It's Caesar. He's the king. He's the savior. That's the good news. That was the propaganda piece of the Roman Empire. Along comes Mark. He says, I'm going to tell a different story. I'm going to tell you some good news that's actually good news. It's the best news the world has ever heard. This is the beginning of the good news, the announcement. It's not advice. It's an announcement about Jesus who is Christ. What does the word Christ mean? Christ, it means the anointed one. Messiah in, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, Shuach, the Messiah, the anointed one. In the Greek language, Christos, it means the anointed one. Jesus is his name, Christ is his title. What does the title mean? The anointed one. It means the king. Because in the Old Testament, the kings were anointed For their kingship, they were anointed. We even find in Psalm 2 that the king in ancient Israel was called the son of God. What is it saying? What does Mark 1.1 say? This is the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus, the king, has come. The true king has come into our world. Now, that's the gospel. This is our truth. This is what we believe. This is what energizes us. This is what moves us to action. It's not because of us. It's because of Christ. It's because of Jesus. The king has come. King Jesus has come into the world. That's why Jesus can say in chapter 1, in verse 14, after John was arrested, he comes into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The scriptures had spoken of this moment for a thousand years. Jesus says the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Some people hear the word kingdom, they think a place. But the kingdom isn't a place, it's a person. It's a power. It's the presence of God at work anywhere Jesus is present and working, that's the kingdom. It's at hand. When it says the kingdom of God is at hand, you know something that's at hand? It it means that you could reach out and touch. It's at hand. It's like it's at hand. It's right here, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. Some people are confused. They say, well, wait a minute. I thought the kingdom of God was this glorious kingdom. Yeah, well, that's coming. (laughs) Meanwhile, anywhere King Jesus shows up, The king is present. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's the message of Mark. That's the story of Mark, chapters 1 through 8. That's our story. And Jesus says, I want you to repent and believe this. Now, I want you to believe this. In order to believe that, you might have to repent. You go, well, what is repent? Repent, metanoia, it means to change your mind. It's to change your mind. I want you to change your mind about Jesus. I want you to change your mind about where you think the solutions really are for the hurts of human life. Think differently. Think about Jesus. Jesus the King has come into our world. That is the message of the Gospel of Mark. 
Now, this is the third side of the gospel triangle. It's the kingdom mission of Christ, and it always comes with two things. It comes with a heart of compassion and a commitment to help. That always comes with the third side of the triangle, a heart of compassion and a commitment to help hurting people. Pastor Nopum is, you know, like a quote book of amazing quotes and T-shirt slogans. And, uh, you know, Christopher and I were like, man, we just wish we'd keep write down more of the stuff that he says. One of the things that he said was that he had learned, he said, if you want to make an impact for the gospel, find a hurting heart and heal it. That's what he says. If you want to make an impact for the gospel, find a hurting heart and heal it. And so hence, he's like, we're doing boarding homes. Like we're starting at the point of hurt. We're starting at impoverished children. We're starting with with Buddhist families that cannot send their children to school because they don't have enough money. We're starting where people hurt and will make an impact for the gospel. Side three of the gospel triangle always includes a heart of compassion and a commitment to help. That's the way it works. Let me show you the heart of Jesus in the gospel. We'll go to the gospel of Matthew and in chapter 15. Matthew 15 and verse 30. One of the many summary statements of the Gospels about the ministry of Jesus, it says, Great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered... When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on this crowd because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat, and I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint along the way. <laughs> Here's a window into the heart of Jesus. He said, I have compassion on this crowd. Do you know the word compassion is a word that repeatedly is connected to the name Jesus Christ. Compassion. I have compassion, he said, on this crowd. Well, obviously, he just healed all these people. Another verse in Matthew, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw a man in the synagogue with a withered hand. He had compassion on him. He wanted to do something. The third side of the gospel triangle, the kingdom mission of Jesus, always includes a heart of compassion. We have to look around at our world and see the world through the eyes of Jesus. Simultaneously, while we were with Pastor Nopum, several hundred miles away in Rakhine State in Myanmar, something else was going on. The Rohingya people are being persecuted and they're fleeing. Up to 500,000 of them have left their homes. I have some photos here to show you. This is what was happening last week while we were there in another part of the country. These desperate people, these crowds of people starving, having fled their homes. Let's go to the next picture. These children in boats crossing the river into Bangladesh, 
These children could be at Nopum's boarding home. This is real time. This is what's happening in our world. And I have one more photo. Here's a man who's pulling a loved one to safety. Should we call it safety? I don't know. It's probably not the right word. In Bangladesh, along with 500,000 others. Brothers and sisters, we live in a hurting world. Right now, in our time, there are 65.5 million people who have been forced from their homes because of war or persecution. 22.5 million of those people are considered refugees. A refugee is someone who has left everything behind. I mean, they leave everything. So they leave all their possessions. They leave their social network. They leave their language. They leave their careers. And they go with the clothes on their back. And they flee. We live in a world where there are 65 million, the highest in all history, of people who are moving as refugees in our world. That's the world that we live in. And I'm here to tell you that the third side of the gospel triangle always includes a heart of compassion. You cannot be a follower of Christ without this heart of compassion. You know, so I told you the story of when we went over there and... um, I wasn't with the team, but they came to the boarding home and there were children and they didn't have food and Opum didn't know where to feed them. And you know, the instant thing that happened was with our, our little team was like a heart of compassion. Like, wow, wow, that's amazing. We have to do something. We have to take action. The third side of the gospel triangle comes with a heart of compassion, but also with a challenge to do what we can and to trust Jesus for the rest. We have to do what we can. You know, if you go back to Matthew 15 and pick up the story, here's what happened. When Jesus said in verse 32 that these people have nothing to eat, I don't want to send them away, they're going to faint. And the disciples in verse 33 said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. Directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Jesus said, what do you have? On the third side of the gospel triangle, it's a matter of of saying, we'll take what we have, and we'll engage, and we'll trust that as we do that, that Jesus is going to do something. He's going to do a miracle if we will engage. We take action from a heart of compassion. Let's see what happens. And that's the way it is. And that's what happened when we went to the boarding home. That's why many of you are serving right here. You don't have to go around the world. You're serving right here in Portland. Because you see a need and you go, well, we'll just step into that. River West Church, I'm proud of you because over and over again, we just sort of step in, you know. And then we trust Jesus for the rest. What have you got? I have seven loaves. How many people are there? 5,000. Okay, Jesus says, give me that. <laughs> what do you got? Not much. He said, give me that. That's the third side of the gospel triangle. That's joining Jesus on kingdom mission. And it's amazing. Now, I want to tell you a story. This is, this is our story. 
Just over a year ago, we brought Nopum here to our church. Some of you will remember him coming and speaking at our church. And when he went away, I asked him to do something. I said, Nopum, you have to do this. You have to go back and you have to form a nonprofit corporation recognized by the state of Myanmar so that we can help you and we can get other partners to help you. Because until you do that, we really can't send much to you because it's sort of illegal because Myanmar is a terrorist state and so they don't really want us to be sending money. And so I'm like, you have to do this. And he was, he was like really concerned. He's like, I'm, I'm scared to do that. Well, of course he's scared to do that. They're trying to shut down churches. I'm like, no, you have to register with the government. I don't want to do that. Oh, but you have to do that if you want our help because we can't help you until you do. So he went back, and he actually had a friend of his call me from Seattle. <laughs> this was a bizarre phone call. I get a phone call at 10 o'clock at night from a guy I can't understand a word he's saying. <laughs> and I'm going, sounds like Southeast Asia, but I don't know. And he says, uh, you know, Nopum asked me to call you and tell you that this can never happen, that this will take 10 years. We don't have 10 years. This will never happen. It can never happen. The government of Myanmar will never do this. Now, see, Nopum wouldn't tell me that because of honor. He wouldn't tell me that himself, so he had his friend tell me. That's the way it works, you know. And so I fired off an email to Nopum, and I said, I love you, brother, but you have to do this. You have to do this. And you know what happened? Over the last year, he formed a board with 14 people. He went through a year of red tape with the government. And like the day that we got there last week, he got a letter from the government saying that everything had been finally approved and that his organization, the Patamia Youth Development uh, Center, is what he's calling it, had been approved to do business in the entire country of Myanmar. Not just his county, but the entire country of Myanmar. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I'll tell you why it's amazing. Because if the government shuts down home churches, then, you know, his dream is to have this youth development center. And in that, you can do a lot of things, right? <laughs> you can do a lot of things for a lot of reasons. But it's recognized by the government. So it's the only place that's recognized by the government can, can do, Christian can do things. And he now has an organization recognized by the government. And our dream is now, because he has this, is that we can help him to actually acquire some land and to have a place where they can do this, okay? Now, I'm telling you, folks, we don't know what we're doing over here. We're just like, you know, how did this happen? How did, like, the next thing you know, we're like, we have no poom and a relationship with him, and we're like going over to Southeast Asia. Like, I don't know. All it is is it's like a heart of compassion and a commitment to start, to help. See, this is the third side of the gospel triangle. This is how things work. Here's a summary statement. Put the slide on the screen. The cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ proclaimed in the context of the kingdom mission of Christ is the living gospel of Christ. Three sides of the triangle, and this is the life center of a living, healthy church. So we're just going to leave that up there for a minute. And you can see in yellow, for effect, cross, resurrection, kingdom, gospel. It's that gospel triangle right there. All three of those must be present. The church has erred by separating them. 
oh no, kingdom mission is social gospel, and we, we don't do social gospel. We just preach the cross. Okay, forget it. That's not the gospel. You have to have all three sides of the gospel triangle, and this is the life of a living church. So no poom, I stood last Sunday morning to preach at his church, and I was all ready to go, and before I started, he says, I want to ask you a question. It's like in front of everybody. He says, I want to know, answer the question. He's an intense guy. Answer the question, why are so many churches in the United States closing their doors? Can you tell me that? Tell us. Tell my church. Why are so many churches closing their doors? And this was my response. I said, it's because they've abandoned the gospel. They've abandoned the gospel. That's why. It's because the gospel is not their truth anymore. That's reason number one why churches are closing their doors. You cannot have a living church without the truth of the gospel at the center of that church, and that means the three sides of the triangle. All right? The second reason, I told them, is because they're not raising up younger leaders and empowering them, and so churches die because they sort of age out, you know? We have to raise up a new generation. That's the way this works. So I want you to think about it. The gospel is our truth. It's our truth. Let me give you one final passage to ponder. Ephesians. And in chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Did you get that? The word of truth. This is why we say, trait number two, is this. The gospel is our truth. The gospel is our truth. The gospel is a higher truth. And it's our truth. Cross, resurrection, kingdom, that's our truth. In the name of Christ. It's a higher truth. The gospel is a higher truth than political truth. It is a higher truth than democratic truth or Republican truth. It is a higher truth than Fox News truth or NPR truth. It is a higher truth than United Nations truth or Anyang Tzu Ki's truth. It is a higher truth than any truth. And that truth belongs only to the church. There are always people who will try to appropriate pieces of that truth and make you believe that they are the defenders of that truth. Some political party will say, oh no, we're the defenders of this truth. Or we're the defender of that truth. But they're not. It's the church that defends the truth. It's the church that lives the truth. And the church truth transcends every other truth. It is the truth of the gospel. Jesus the King has arrived. He has brought his kingdom into this world. It is now partial. Later, it will be complete. And we are kingdom people living on three sides of the gospel triangle. We're going to live in the power of the cross, the hope of the resurrection, and in the action of the kingdom mission of Jesus. And when we do, then our church will be a living church in a hurting world. And that's our goal. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray right now for Pastor Nopum. We trust you for him and his ministry. Protect them, Lord. Empower those precious workers out there in the far regions of Myanmar. Protect and empower them. Keep those precious children safe in Jesus. 
Help us, Lord, to know how to help them. Thank you for the honor of it. And thank you for right here what happens in this city as well, Lord, in all the efforts that we do to bring the compassion of Christ to a hurting world. May we be strong in the gospel, Lord, all three sides, I pray. And may this truth be our truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.